fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Bori and I'm excited again to join you, um, Justin and Manny. Uh, welcome back uh, to a new season um, and um, really, really, truly excited to, to just delve into the season. It's been, even though this summer was filled with a lot of games and, and we're still in the midst of the Women's World Cup, um, you know, it's still good to have the EPL back and, and Syria and, and La Liga. Um, so today we're just going to focus on the EPL. There's a lot to cover um, and I, I'm excited to go and, and delve into a lot of, um, you know, the transfers that's happened and some are still happening even right now at like 2 a.m. In, in England uh, in the UK time. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, let's just start with with the transfers. Um you know, we've seen a lot of numbers, uh, Justin, go through, um, especially in your backyard, Arsenal. Um, we've seen a lot of transfers, uh, you know, from AC Milan to, 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 to clubs like Newcastle. We've seen moves that people, uh, clubs like Chelsea that are not even in, in the Champions League are making moves um, with, with big signings. So, Want to just get your thoughts on on this transfer, uh, and of course the the elephant in the room is the Saudi Arabia transfer. But I think this this um, summer has really shown how much money is in the Middle East. I mean, we already knew there was money, but we didn't know there was that much money. I mean, let's be serious, right? Um, so, want to just get your thoughts on just the transfer uh, this this season, uh, this time around uh, so far, and get your thoughts there, uh, Justin, on on what you what you feel. Yeah, the market is definitely changed. I mean, so last summer, of course, we saw the doors get blown off on a lot of, uh, you know, what you would consider the ceilings for fees on certain players when um, Chelsea started spending big. But this summer has is taking it to the next level uh, with the involvement, like you said, of the Saudi Arabian clubs and really like um the sovereign wealth fund really is like behind a lot of the the spending here um from saudi arabia but the inflated fees are it was a ball that started getting rolled like you know to be fair it it was the the clubs that we're gonna be talking about today the the english clubs are the ones that kind of have changed the market with the the massive wealth that the english premier league generates from um, it's rights from English language broadcasting rights uh, all globally in the United States, in England, in Europe, all over the world, uh, generates a lot of revenue for them. So they have been outspending the rest of the European sides. And then now with the addition of Saudi Arabia spending, um, the market is definitely, I think, in a state of flux. I think uh, I think people are still trying to find their footing. And we're going through a period of time, and I don't know whether it's indefinite or whether it's just like, uh, you know, just just a short-term thing where, from my perspective, we're seeing massive overpaying for some, for some players and for some positions. And um, in particular, some positions like clubs just being, even the big clubs being priced out of uh, moves that you would think that like a few years ago, like they would be like natural fits, um, and particularly like at, at striker, I think. Uh, I want to dig into that a little bit, but uh, that's a bit of a rambling answer. Um, so, 
I, I'll just ask no. both of you, do you. Yeah. Do you think it's like, do you think this is like a short-term thing or do you think this is the new normal? Is like this, this level of spending on, on these types of players? Manny, I don't know if you have anything to say about that, that question. I, I think at some point, um, UEFA, FIFA, um, you know, the, the, the football governing board, uh, will will do something, right? So so if that means that you know I, I know financial fair play doesn't apply to to the Saudi Saudi Arabian league. So maybe on that end, I don't know how things can be controlled, but at least in Europe, I think um, financial fair play is still alive and well. And so you're seeing clubs like Chelsea, for example, having to pay pay if, uh, a fine, um, which I found out actually today that it was self-reported. Um, which hey good for good for good for Todd Bailey but then I also found out too that I think part of the deal when they when Chelsea was being sold to to Todd uh, they kept like a hundred million in the somewhere in the middle so that if there are issues then they can just take from that so anyways my point is um, I think financial fair play will still be around and so a club like Arsenal which I don't expect them that they will have an issue. Uh, qualifying for the Champions League and and earning a lot of revenue next season, I th- I do think that there will be a point where they can't spend anymore, or they will realize that they've overspent and they will have to pay fines, and and that could hurt them and and control the way they spend in the future. So, I think it's going to be in waves. Um, honestly, I'm very shocked at Liverpool's transfer this season. Just that's one surprise. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be in waves. I don't think it will always continue this way. I think one season we'll hear the the odd like 110 million for Harry Kane versus like you know paying 20 million for Christian Pulisic, for example. So, um, any, any thoughts there, Manny? Yeah, two words, uh, fellas. Say it with me: Super League. All right, Saudi Super League, because that's what you know is going to happen. I I just Honestly, uh, I think there's only so much that the governing, quote-unquote, governing bodies can do to mitigate um, essentially what is inflation, right? But inflation at a, a, a like an astronomical rise that we have not seen before. Um, if you think about it, to Justin's point, you know, right before we started recording, we were talking about this Moises Caicedo deal, and I don't see how Liverpool if the transfer figures are to be um, are, are correct, and it's a brand new British transfer fee of 110 million pounds, which is more than Insane. Declan Rice, which Insane. is an actual English international, and therefore you know has the English tax and everything that applies to him. If if a player like that went for that amount of money, you have to think. Liverpool just got uh, just sold Fabinho, you know, 45 year old geriatric Fabinho to, you know, the Middle East for like what, like 45 million, you know, like tell me who else would pay that amount of money where, where you know, th- that uh, that amount of money, that injection into these um, into these clubs is, is something that is unprecedented and I think is just setting the bar even higher. like. Who would have guessed that the British transfer fee would go to a a player that is um, not British, a player that has only had one good season in the Premier League, 
and a player that um, that frankly isn't even a striker. He's a DM. Like when you think about like those three factors, and and as as far as in retrospect to what the previous uh, transfer fees and the record high prices have gone to. To Justin's point, like a striker, if a DM can go for 110 million, what does a striker cost? What will a striker cost, right? And so, therefore, right. I think, like, there's just no way. I, I think it's just going to keep ballooning and ballooning. And essentially, it's going to get to a point where it's not sustainable. And um, you're going to see more and more players being sold to the Saudi league because who else can afford to pay um, these exorbitant prices? Yeah, uh, and that's a fair point. I I, um, I, I see where you're going. I just think this is where I expect the governing bodies to do something. Uh, again, they can't, UEFA, obviously, financial fair play doesn't apply to Saudi Saudi leagues. Um, so I guess in this case, it's more likely that teams in Europe will start selling to Saudi league, leagues. And it's, it is what it is. Um, we'll see how it happens. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, and I think money will end up running out at some point. Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, maybe let's get into some club previews and look at all the top clubs and bottom clubs and also the middle clubs uh, in the English Premier League. Are you ready, Justin? Are you ready for this for this part of the program? I'm ready. All right, let's this start. Is, this is the big show, so let's do yeah, it. Yeah, of course. All right, let's start with Manchester City. I think um, relatively to to a lot of the other teams um, in the EPL, they've had a quiet um, time um, in the transfers. Um, so uh, just a reminder, uh, they lost Riyad Mahrez, they lost Gundogan, uh, who I thought were two important players for them. Um, and now they've brought in, um, what's his name? Uh, the, the guy that Messi messed up in the World Cup. Um, the defender. Um, there's no exact, yeah, Vardiol. Yeah, there's no exact replacement for um, Mares, but there's a somewhat of a replacement for Gundogan with in Kovacic. Um, so, anyways, my point is, um, I look at Manchester City and I look at the the starting lineup. So you you know you know we can talk about starting lineup. We talk about Ruben Diaz and the Akanji, maybe Ake. Um, and then Kyle Walker, who apparently is about to renew his, his contract. You look into the midfield, you know, we're talking about the core midfield, Vikovicic, uh, Rodri, uh, probably uh, maybe, um, let's say, okay, let's put uh, De Bruyne in the mix. Maybe on the left side, you have Grealish and, and Foden, Haaland. And then on the right side, maybe you have Bernardo Silva, um, who they've not lost so far. But I'm looking at this, and I'm just like, I look at the bench, and I don't know who else would be called into this team or, or if if Manchester City has a deep squad, as we've always thought, right? Is this something maybe I'm making up myself or is this a reality that this team has to face in this coming season if they don't actually make more moves in the transfer market? Uh, yeah, I think that there is a little bit when you're looking at the squad um there is perhaps some lack of depth in a couple of places 
namely on the wings, right? Um, in terms of offensive wingers. So I think uh, I, I may have heard um, um, something from Fabrizio Romano to this effect that like they are, Manchester City are in for another winger to bring in as a replacement for Riyad Mahrez. Um, I'm not sure who that winger will be. Uh, I'm sure there's well, like, some rumors out there that we could read about. Rafael Leao plays in the left, so I'm, I'm happy it's not going to be him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's safe. I think Manchester City, yeah, they're, they're looking for uh, value for money. Um, they, you know, they traditionally are like the big spenders, but they just, you know, spent an exorbitant amount of money uh, with 90 million euros, at least, on Vardiol, uh, the center back. So they, they're going to be looking for, for a winger who could, they can have for a little, for, for a while, I think. Um, but then, so the, anyways, that's, so that's a position of weakness perhaps for them to answer your question, but then, you know, they, they have obviously like massive depth in other positions, like center back, obviously, like they, they have like sure, a plethora sure. of talent, um, yeah. in that position. So I think what, what is really going to be interesting, like you mentioned, um, Kyle Walker is uh, approaching, uh, the point where he's going to resign. Um, last year we saw, you know, John Stones. We, we, John Stones, yes. The, we, mm-hmm. the, Pep was basically playing at, at some points in the season, especially later in the season, like four center, four traditional center backs, four players who like you'd consider them, classify them first and foremost as center backs. You'd play like four of them, like Ake, Laporta, um, Stones, and Diaz, and uh, yeah, yeah, Diaz, yes, yes, across the back, and then Stones would step up into the midfield and kind of play like double pivot with Rodri. But uh, now it seems like we saw in the Community Shield. Maybe he's gonna switch back to having like traditional wing backs, especially with Kyle Walker. So I, I have no idea. Like that's I think that big question is like you know Pep is a tactical master, so he's gonna find whatever he has available to him. He'll create a system mm-hmm. that fits them fits their strengths best. So uh, we'll see we'll see what he does with with what he has on on paper. All right, so Manny, I'm gonna ask you this question then, given given what how we've sort of broken down the team and and, and pointed out so far the absence or the non-excitedness of City's uh, summer transfers, would you still place them as, as a favorite for, for this uh, upcoming season as to win the league? Yeah, until otherwise, you know, another team shows that they can go toe-to-toe with them. I mean, the truth of the matter is that sometimes a team that is... Um, has already won and has a winning core of players, um, it's easier to continue that than it is to bring in a host of transfers and try to build something, um, you know, develop the chemistry, learn the tactics and playing styles um, than it is to uh, continue. And um, City was one of those teams that, you know, they had a deep bench to begin with anyways. The players that uh, we've talked about it, you know, the, the players that they sign are usually players that are very versatile and can quote unquote plug and play uh, for the most part in most positions, right? Obviously, you have your exceptions as far as like, you know, it's, you know, there's not going to be a like for like for like a KDB, for example, right? Um, but the way that they play, um, they're so comfortable on the ball with each other. It doesn't matter, you know, that's something that's ingrained in the pep system that they really don't miss a beat. Um, we kind of saw what that looked like uh, in the community shield. 
as far as, you know, having those players and a team that's really, I'd say, like, between a B and a C team for City. But regardless, that B and C team would probably beat most A teams, A squads uh, all over Europe, right? Um, so as far as, like, them not making, uh, you know, flashy signings, if you will, or um, big signings compared to, you know, your Arsenal's, um, you know, your Liverpool's, uh, Chelsea, et cetera. I think that that really won't affect them too much. Um, I think that the one thing that is interesting is the comments that Pep has made recently where, you know, it might just be something of him playing mind games or trying to take the pressure off of his team and himself saying that, you know, what they achieved uh, last season is, you know, pretty much what, uh, is like the top of the mountain, right? Like they've already gotten over that and that it can't be replicated. Um, I think it's smart of him to kind of downplay that. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just a matter of catching up for the, for the rest of the teams around them. Um, now, I will say that with City, though, uh, they do have, they don't have the easiest fixtures to, to start off the season with. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they play out, uh, how they set up. John Stones in particular is really interesting to me because I feel like he's won his spot in the midfield, and that's why they went ahead and signed um, uh, Josco Gardiel. Yeah, well, um, so the, the fair, all fair points, I think, yes. Um, they play Burnley tomorrow, which um, I don't know if that's a tough game. Because I feel like you don't know what to get. <laughs> um, okay. then, Burnley, Burnley were really good in the championship. I think. Well, they could then, be they could be tricky. And also, I mean, Manny took up raised a good point about them. Manchester City, like you know, like uh, their early run of fixtures. They also like you know, if you compare them to all the other EPL sides, they are you could consider them being like maybe two weeks behind, two three weeks behind everyone else because they obviously they made it to the Champions League final. So their players only rejoined training really like in july some at some point so like they're a little bit behind everyone else probably in terms of um preparedness for the season like returning to fitness working out the kinks and the new tactics with uh, the new players um things like that so they might have a, a rough go of it tomorrow and maybe it's possible that they start a little slower than normal this season yeah and then they're and they're gonna go on a uh, 20, 20 game run and then win the league, right? Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, I don't know if there's anything else that we're we're gonna add to Master T, but we'll, we'll watch it. And, and obviously, I will be watching with one eye um, the the game tomorrow. I got a question for you though, boy. Before we move on. Oh yeah, sure. Is your favorite player gonna play more or less than let's say twenty five matches this season? Oh, you talk about KDB? I talk about Kevin De Bruyne, yeah. Well, first of all, um, spoiler alert, I'm going to just tell everybody right now. Um, I play the EPL Fantasy, and part of my um, winning um, mantra is, you know, if you have KDB, I'm winning, basically. So I'll just say right now, KDB is in my team. Um, so now... Question. Uh, so that's a very good question that you're asking because um, right now I think he's still suffering from the um, hamstring 
injury that he had, um, or I'm not sure what the state of it is. I don't know if anyone knows, apart from him and the doctors. Um, but um, I think here's here's my fear about Manchester this season. I think they may struggle a little bit to create, and reason why I'm saying that is because they've lost the one of a master creator, Gundogan. Um, not that Kovacic cannot do that, but Kovacic actually, he has, by the way, I love Kovacic. I, I, I wish, you know, he was playing for, for Milan, but um, I don't think he can be compared to, to, Gund, uh, to Gundogan. And then also, um, I, so I'm thinking, if you take KDB out, who, who's going to step in and, and give those passes to Holland, right? Grealish, sort of a somebody that just goes on his own. Mares, at least when he was there, whoever is going to be replaced, I don't know. But my point is, you need that midfielder that is going to really just dish out those passes and create chances where there would not be chances. And and KDB is the only player that can do that. So my point of saying all of this is, if they're if K, like, I think they're going to work so hard to make sure that KDB is is good, right? Uh, they're going to help him out to to overcome his interests because I think he has to be key. And I and I'm just struggling a little bit right now. And of course, we've not seen City play except for the, um, you know, the 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 cup on Sunday. I think they will struggle to find chances for Holland. It may it may be a rough season for Holland if KDB is not in the mix, given that people like Gundogan is out, right? And, and Bernardo Silva, it's possible that he leaves, right? So, I you know, it's going to be a hard. I think I think it's going to be hard to lose KDB this season. So I think City is probably going to take extra care to make sure that he is healed uh, before they. So 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 you answer your question. This was a long way to do that, but I think he's going to be an important player. So it means that he's going to play as as much as he can, but they're going to do a lot of medical magic to make sure that he's ready for the for the games. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Probably Phil Foden. I mean. Maybe this is going to be the transition season with the handing the handing of the crown from KDB to yeah. Foden. Yeah, maybe Foden, Foden. Foden, Foden ain't it. Foden ain't it. But uh, Bory he's Bory a different Bory. player. He's definitely not the same. It's not a like for like, but I think I think, yeah. I think Foden is it actually. Bory I Bory makes a good point. That could be why uh, you know in the last twenty four hours there's been rumors that uh, City wants to buy Paqueta. Yeah, Lucas. Which okay, yeah. which the the prices that you know. Hold on. West Ham, like you know, West Ham, you know, eighty million. If if that's what, yeah, if that's that's a reported figure, right? Eighty million for Paketa is a hell of a uh, me, a return of investment. <laughs> let let me say this: Paketa plays He plays for so I know him firsthand. He was a confidence player. He was actually bad at Milan. Um he went to Lyon. That did not work out well. Um he had some flashes, but you know people could say, oh it's a league on whatever. I don't care. But now it was a West Ham and he was hot and cold. Now the only saving grace here is that it's Pep, right? Pep may rewire him to be to get his full potential. But I do not think it's a good idea. I, I mean Pep knows more than I do, and Pep probably has the best idea of how to fix this, right? But his tracker is is bad, and I don't understand why this sort of player is going to be 
is going to be uh, be sold for 80 million. And it's crazy that that EPL tax um, that's happening right now. Um, but anyways, I, I rest my case. Uh, just uh, um, it would be good for Milan to for him to be sold to City because we do get some. Um, I think it was like 800,000 um, um, from the transfer because he played in Milan when he bet- between 18 and 23, which is some stupid rule I've just heard about this week. Um, so um, I'll be glad to have him move, but I think it's going to be a weird one for them. Um, all right, let's move on to Arsenal, um, your favorite uh, club, um, Manny, right? No, uh, Justin. Um <laughs> All right, let's start this. Um, so of Arsenal had, I think, probably one of the best summers in in a while. How would you how would you rate the summer, uh, Justin? Uh, this was like in in a, a solid a? a summer for yeah yeah, yeah so, for for Arsenal. This was very unusual. Believe me, as an Arsenal fan, I this was with the most unusual welcome a welcome and unusual summer as a fan because Arsenal have never been one to do. Have not been big spenders in a in a little while, and they also never get their business done early in the window. And they accomplished both the, this summer with some late surprises as well. Attack on. Okay, let me let me ask someone that may not be biased, but also maybe sort of biased because it's he supports another London club. All right, so Manny, they brought in. Well, they're about to bring in Raya. I think that's let's just say that's done. I, I think that's basically done. They uh, they brought in Timber. They brought in um, uh, Declan Rice, and then they brought in Kai Havertz. Um, what is the score you're giving them here? Because I, I can say one of these people don't belong, essentially. <laughs> I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. They have an amazing window. Anybody that pays Chelsea 65 million pounds for Kai Havertz. Okay. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot badmouth them at all. So. Wait, so uh, that's a 10 out of 10 for Chelsea or for Arsenal? <laughs> For both, to be honest, because uh, in all seriousness, you know, I can already see, and it started uh, even during preseason, um, I watched, I think it was like Man U, Arsenal, and, um, you know, the the Arsenal fans were already turning on Kai Havertz for the same reason that Chelsea had been unconvinced of him for the last three years. Um you know, it, it's like, and Justin, you know, I'm not going to get too much into it because we could go on and on, but uh, let's just say that there are, I can already see like the cracks, um, you know, from, from that signing. Um, he, he's, he's just not the answer uh, in midfield, Justin, or up top or on the wing. Uh, so you guys got to try to figure it out, but um, hey, in all takes a, though, it, it's only been, come on, it's been too, or it's too soon to say that, man. It takes a while to unlearn a lot of bad habits that you pick okay. up. All right, all right. I'm just, I'm just letting you know. I'm, I'm here for you when, uh, you know, shoulder to, you know, to, to cry on. Um, but having said that, I think, like, I think more importantly, they did reinforce where they needed to, and that was on the back line. We know that that was... Um, a major glaring deficiency in this team uh, last season uh, when Saliba went down and um, it looks like he set the ground running and uh, at that price that they paid it's you know that I, I think that's a really good deal um, the Raya thing is really interesting because I don't particularly 
see Raya being better or worse than Ramsdale. Um, you know, we could put that up for argument or discussion another time. But I, I think more interesting is the way that the deal is structured, which is a loan, um, an option to buy, which is crazy because I'm like, I don't see why Brentford would do any favors for any Premier League team, let alone one that's um, a rival, right? Like, like London base, right? Like, you know, it's just, it, it, to me, it's really interesting that, that they would go out of their way to kind of uh, give uh, this deal, the green light on this deal without an obligation to buy. Um, so I think, if anything, I think I feel like, to me, Ramsdale has been um, probably the best goalkeeper that they've had. I mean, if you look back at like the goalkeepers that they've had in the past, I feel like he's performed the best. I think he's overperformed. Um, I, you know, apparently Arsenal fans think that he's going through some slump or something, and uh, you know, competition well, he had, needed. He had that Com- uh, miscarriage issue too. I think um, I, I don't know if that that affected him at that time. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I mean it's not public now, so maybe people are not going to be sympathetic um, right. about it. yeah. Yeah, no, I I think it's just like competition, but it, it's just really interesting that that that's what they're focusing on. Um, I think in order for them to actually really really uh, build upon what they have next year is they need to focus on uh, what they want to do or they need to be decisive on what they want to do at their forward position because they have a surplus of players that could play. Kai Havertz is not one of them, Justin. I'm trying to save you guys from from embarrassment. Trust me, he's he's not a nine. He's not a nine. Um, but they do have a surplus of players that they could essentially end up selling um, if they wanted to or just trying to, um, you know, decide how they're going to be playing the formation to bring out the best out of these players. Because uh, I feel like Jesus hasn't looked the same since his injury. And he's injured again. Um, so, actually, Justin, I do want to ask you, let's start with the, the keeper. Uh, what would you say, I mean, given that it was a, it's a loan and, and everything, what's the, literally, what's the point of, of David Rye on this team? I mean, it's a target of opportunity. They've had... The goalkeeping coach for Arsenal, he was formerly the the coach at Brentford. He actually brought Raya into Brentford. Um, he is a target of opportunity, basically. They, they've had their eyes on Raya for a long time. Originally, they wanted him more than Ramsdale, actually, that, that summer. But Raya wasn't available, so they brought in Ramsdale instead. And he's, I think he's done great. But, you know, maybe saying, like, he's been under some criticism. But, you know, I, I don't think it's worth – I don't I think he deserves that criticism, honestly, from Arsenal fans. Um but Arsenal, they came into the summer with a short list, like prime primary targets, like you know the A-class targets, which were the ones that got done early in the summer. And then from that point on, it was like, okay, we're going to do some sales. And if anything comes up that's interesting, then we'll, we'll poke around. And Raya, so Raya was already headed out the door and going into the summer. Like Brentford already brought in his replacement. He already made it clear that um he was ready to take the next step in his career they were like kind of open to that they're shopping around and i think early in the summer spurs tottenham made an approach but like it was knocked back and then spurs went and found someone else um 
uh, Manchester United, they brought in Onana, and then suddenly like the, the potential buyers started to dry up. And then now Brentford coming into August are like kind of like an oh crap moment. <laughs> we have a keeper and nobody's buying. Like we thought he's it was gonna be easy to buy sell him and we, we we can't find any buyers. And Arsenal saw that opportunity. It's a player that they already wanted in the past, and they are kind of able to work the terms of what is really a sweetheart deal, you know, and I think Brentford kind of what, what Brentford get out of it basically is worst case scenario, like the loan deal doesn't work out. Um, then they, he has like now a one year extension on his a contract that was supposed to be expiring. So like, then they can basically just, they'll be in the same position next summer and have to try and sell him again. Um, yeah, but I, I don't see how I worked out. Yeah. I don't know how that helps him though. Um, because I think, if he's not playing, then well, he, I, I assume I assume Arteta and Edu, uh, the the director at Arsenal, have promised him opportunities. And Ramsdale has like said openly, like you know, like he welcomes the challenge. Like Ramsdale basically is fully aware, it seems, that Raya is coming in as a potential replacement for him, and he's like, let's do it. Let's you know, we're going to be competing. We're we're going to challenge and push each other, and we'll see who who comes out on top at the end. So that's yeah. a very interesting dynamic. I can't, I can't really think of any other I cannot. time this, this sort of thing has happened, where like it's yeah. like such an open, you know, we're supposed to have a cohesive unit, and keeper, the backup keeper typically is there to like motivate and practice and you know support the the the, the clear number one. But now we Arsenal are doing a one A one B situation, and it's very open that the two of them are basically battling this season for the starting position going forward. Yeah. So I don't know how that dynamic's gonna work. Yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to watch, and I think um, Ramsdale is prone to mistakes, and also I think Ryan is a better um, passer of the ball and distributor of the ball. So um, honestly, I think Ramsdale's put himself by saying in under a lot of pressure by saying that because I I can't that would affect my performance if that was me. But you know, no. I'm not Ramsdale. He's the so. oh, we were talking about you know confidence players before. He's the ultimate. Is player, right? right. He, he 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 welcomes it. That's his his whole career yeah. has been like uh that sort of personality. So that's why we love him. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. We'll see, we'll see if he can step up to the plate. Okay. Let's 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 just talk about one one other player. I know we've we've initially talked about him, Havertz. Um, really want to get your thoughts there on um the rationale there, if you understand, because I personally do not understand, and so you're closer into the Arsenal world than I am. So has um, Arteta said anything that hints to the reason why we would pay, the, why Arsenal would pay 65 million for for a player like Havertz? He uh, Arteta loves versatility. He loves players who can play in multiple positions. Um, I, he, I the Arsenal that we're going to see this season is going to be, I suspect, different formation and tactics wise from the one we saw. Like last season, like basically Arsenal finally like kind of like landed upon a plan a and they never really moved beyond that like it's they've kind of been you know lost in the woods for a few seasons and last season that finally came together like we played a 4-3-3 you know and they kind of had like a set like a starting 11 that you could expect week in and week out barring any injury um and Arteta has said I think it's it's been well known that like he you know it's all about trusting the process you keep on hearing me say trust the process like he, he always had like a multi-year plan and that was one of the checklist items on the plan was like okay figure out a system that works that like you know our default basically what what default formation we have 
And then the next item on that list is variations. And then now we're not just going to play 4-3-3 the same way week in, week out. Now we're going to be able to, maybe we're going to have a double pivot with Rice and Party and the team at the same time. Maybe we're going to have, um, you know, we, 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 can, we can switch out who's on the wing. Maybe the wingers come inside. Maybe they go outside. Maybe we can have two attacking midfielders. And then that's where you see a player like Havertz fitting in, right? Maybe Havertz plays next to Odegaard. Um, and then both of them are like kind of slotting in uh, next to the striker and in between the wingers. Um, or maybe he's going to play like the Xhaka role, which we saw like Xhaka last season start to make very adventurous runs forward, which he hadn't done previously at Arsenal. Maybe he's going to play, God forbid, striker uh, like he did in the Community Shield. I really hope that's not uh, what we saw in the Community Shield with Havertz starting at nine. I'm, I'm hoping that's not... <laughs> I'm hoping that's not the, yeah. the, the primary goal for him, but the, basically to answer your question, it's it's the he provides versatility and he can slot in. I think Arteta thinks he can slot in multiple different positions once he gets um, integrated into the team. Okay, that is fair. Um, all right, so let, let's let's do one more thing with Arsenal. Want to get your thoughts on the formation that you think uh, would be standard for ne- next season with Arsenal. So so what are you expecting, uh, especially given all the new players that have come in? So uh, I don't know. I, I can't actually answer that question. I think it's like what it goes back to like what I what I said about like, their, so their default formation is single pivot um, and then like kind of staggered like Odegaard drifting in the half spaces and the other midfielder, the, the, the eight, if you will, um, making advanced runs. And then the, the front three, like Saka is always on the right, Martinelli is always on the left, or Trossard is always on the left, and then Jesus, when he's healthy, kind of giving free reign to drift uh, to either side or to drop deeper. Um, but now, and then also, be, obviously, Zinchenko is a big part of that too, was Zinchenko would come into the midfield. Now with Timber, we can do the same thing, except instead of Zinchenko coming in from the left, Timber can play on the right and come in. Um, then Havertz now, either Havertz is going to be playing, like I said, in that Jaka role as a number eight, or maybe like you just have like Odegaard and Havertz, like both basically doing the same thing on opposite sides of the field, one on the left, one on the right. I don't know. And then if you're playing like someone like Manchester City, like for instance, I would highly suspect you see both Partey and Rice in the game at the same time and doing like a double pivot to, to add a little bit more steel uh, defensively in the breakup. Uh, the middle of the park. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, as an Arsenal fan, I actually don't I, I don't really have a clear answer about... I, I think week in and week out, you may see variations um, in different players, not, not necessarily the exact same lineup week in. Uh, right. Of, maybe say what, what, what Pep Guardiola is famous for, basically. Right. Maybe you're going right. to see Arteta copying his his mentor. Exactly, exactly. And, and you're playing Champions League this time around, so um, it's higher stakes than, than Europa League last season. So maybe... Maybe it would work out well to have that versatility and, and also that the options with like Rice and, and Thomas Partey, for example, and, and maybe Kai Havertz, maybe hopefully not playing nine, but, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, all right, let's quickly move to United. We're not going to do much on this one, but we just want to just talk about, uh, you know, a lot has happened in this in this um, in the summer. Uh, Maguire looks like he's finally leaving. Um, and he was stripped of the captaincy. And I don't know why people are still paying money for him, but okay. Um, they bought Hoyland, who, let's be honest, no one has heard of except for Serie A watchers. I, I would say that 
the little I saw of him when we played Atlanta, I didn't see anything. So um, we'll see what happens there, but who knows? Um, this The one that does really catch my eye is the um, introduction of, of Onana as a team. So uh, Manny, I'm going to, I'm going to, get your voice into this one um obviously so what we've seen over the last two years of or whatever how long it's been that ten hag has been there um is you can see a shift to trying to get his philosophy of what he used to do in the ajax over into united and it seems like at this time he's now at least more than ever now has a closer team to really bring out his philosophy of how to play and how how they should play are you well okay first of all how i'll ask this how would you rate their their summer transfer given the hoyland deal onana um and then and then getting rid of maguire um how would you how would you rate that and the, well i i think you'll probably also say missing mount uh gives them a higher score but maybe on your end but yeah just curious to, to understand how you rate them and then i want to hear um, also, if you feel that like maybe he has Ten Hag has the players finally to do what he really wants to do and play the the style of football that he wants to play. Yeah, so ten out of ten with the Mason Mount signing because I can't you know badmouth another team that gives us uh, sixty million pounds for a player. Who has one year left on the contract? Another incredible and, deal. I can't believe it. <laughs> and and would go for free in six months' time. Um, uh, twenty out of ten, if they get rid of McGuire. Uh, honestly, because you know, it's a walking meme at this point, right? Um, but in all seriousness, uh, Ten Hag needs to, if he can't, if he can't, you know. If he can't do anything with these players, then there's no more excuse. He's pretty much signed. Half the squad is players that he's signed or that he's coached um, previously, right, already. Um, and if he can't make anything happen with, with this lot of players, then, then I, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, the Onana deal um, is, is great. I, I hate to admit it because, you know, we were looking at Onana ourselves. Um, but it always made sense with De Gea leaving, um, and on such massive wages, they get that off the books. They were never going to renew him. And Onana comes in and obviously anything, uh, you know, even if he's like one of the lowest earners at Man U, that's pretty much, uh, I'm pretty much guaranteed that he's earning way more than he was earning in Italy. So for him, that is a great um, signing. And we've already seen kind of what he can do, how he can kickstart and attack and transition and get everything going. Um, I think bar Mason Mount, because Man United has the same problem, is going to have the same problem with Mount as Arsenal is going to have with Havertz, as they're already discovering where they don't know. It's, a, it's players that are good. They're good at different things, but they're not great at one thing. And if I'm a coach, um, if I want somebody to make my life easier, I want to I want to know what a player's specific role and preference is uh, to make my job easier. You know, 
And that's what I think Man United uh, players are, or I'm sorry, Man United fans are going to notice as well. Actually, they've already been noticing from the highlights that you guys are probably seeing from preseason already. They're going to run into the same issue. Um, they don't know where to play him. I guess these are vers- they're versatile players, but again, um, how much how much does versatility really do, right? You know, uh, would you rather have one player that's kind of like a Swiss Army knife of things, or would you rather have one player that excellent and excels at one ex- at one specific skill set, right? And so, um, to me, I think they are a dark horse for the reason being that. Again, Ten Hag has uh, half the squad that he already knows what these players give him. So that is a big deal and goes a long way because a coach knows and the players know what the expectations are of the coach and the coach knows what the players will give him and, you know, what they're requesting of them. So I think they've done a great job. If they can, honestly, like all jokes aside, if they get rid of McGuire, man, I think they're the clear winners. Well, now, well, let's let's not get too ahead of ourselves. They have Johnny Evans that they, they brought back. So. Hey, Johnny Evans is uh, a better defender than than McGuire, man. Well. But but he no? Johnny Evans. I don't know. Put some put some respect on Johnny Evans' name. He's he's already been there and done that for the club. So. Yeah yeah. All right, let, let's move on because of time. Um, I I do want to talk. Uh, I I feel like we we've, we've talked about Liverpool a little bit, given the signings and and potential of of Caicedo again breaking news uh, as of like a few hours ago but the word is that Liverpool is is about to sign Caicedo for 110 million or something um it's crazy I I think it's crazy but we'll see um I do want to talk Chelsea um uh, mainly here what I'm looking for is I think if we are looking for and, and please correct me if I'm wrong here Justin um, if we're looking for a winner of the summer transfers, it has to be Chelsea, right? Do you do you feel that way? I'm not going to ask Manny because he's. Uh, what in terms of? Well, just overall. Overall. Yes, overall. Just overall, the players you're able to attract and the players you're able to offload. Um. Um. I don't know. I think that's. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Let, I think, let, they, I think they did a very good job of selling. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. So, so, Havertz to you, sixty-five million, crazy. Um, Mounts again, another crazy one, sixty million. I think the introduction of Uncoco, I know, didn't happen this time around, but I'm still going to count it as like a new, a brand new player to the team. Um, uh, I know they still have a lot of issues with with uh, the whole situation with. Um, Lukaku, um, Nicholas Jackson is looking. I mean, that guy is ama- looks amazing in preseason. So, so I don't know if it's just a preseason thing or not. But um, given that this team hasn't, it, it doesn't have any European distraction. Um, I'm wondering if Chelsea's, for me, amazing summer, um, has. Um, is is a good thing for them this season is that is that like given the also the introduction of, of play that they have i wonder what chelsea season will be like so manny i'm going to kick it off to you and what i'm going to ask you is how one how are you feeling about your summer and then also um what are your thoughts about what your situation will be in the season let's say halfway of the season 
what do you feel that Chelsea will truly be um, in this upcoming season? Listen, we've, we've already, if, if Arsenal counts the Community Shield as a, as a major trophy uh, after their win this weekend, then we certainly can claim the Summer League, Premier League Summer Series Cup, which we won as well. That's already more than, po- Pochettino's already done more at Chelsea than he's done in his entire career at Spurs. So there's that. Um, Wait, I thought he won the Audi Cup. <laughs> No. I mean, I think this one's this one's summer Premier League series. Like this is against actual Premier League teams, so I think uh, th- this one this is a little heavier than that, Bori. Uh, it's a little more serious, but um, but no. Uh, all jokes aside, like it, it's already a stark contrast between night and day, and any Chelsea fan can tell you, um, you know, preseason a lot of times doesn't really mean anything, but off more often than not, it's a good indicator of what can happen throughout the season, um, you know, what the levels are. A year ago, we were getting destroyed like 4-5-0 by Arsenal. Um, a year ago, we, we lost to an MLS, uh, an MLS league side. We actually lost, I think, I want to say we lost all of our preseason games a year ago. Um, we, we didn't have um, any structure, any identity, like anytime anybody talked about Chelsea, it was like, what is Chelsea's identity? What is their tactics? How are they being set up? What is, you know, how do they play? And with Pochettino, you can already see that there is some semblance of the players knowing what their roles are, right? And so for me, that's already a, a plus. But more importantly, to your point, we got rid of, I'm going to call it Deadwood because honestly, these are players, we knew it was a bloated squad. A few months ago, I joked on one of the, like the last pods that we did where um, I said, "Hey, Chelsea's gonna have like a bogo sale, like a buy one get one free, you know, or half off sale." You know, your congratulations, Bori. We did that with uh, Pulisic and uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek for you guys. Enjoy. Um, you know, getting those players that were signed um, during the Roman era on such massive wages was a really big deal internally for Chelsea because this new regime is trying to change the culture of the club um, by the inside, by, you know, being um, given more incentive-based wages, not something absurd that we were, you know, giving out. Like we have, uh, you know, Kepa and uh, unfortunately Lukaku on these massive bloated wages, which makes it really hard for, the team to move these players on, you know, and so resetting the expectations is a really big deal. Um, I don't think we're done yet. I'm actually, I will say this because you mentioned it and we mentioned it um, early on. I'm glad that for the record, I'm glad that we did not pay the like exorbitant fee that Liverpool just paid for Caicedo because I think that then it would just show that Chelsea hasn't learned anything from making these last-minute panic buys and these deadline transfers. Um, Liverpool, it's really strange because I feel like we swapped positions with Liverpool, uh, especially, like, this summer. Like, we went out, we sold a bunch, um, but we were also, I think, we're tactical in what we're trying to get and who we're trying to get. Uh, There's a certain profile uh, and demographic of players that we're looking for. Whereas to me, it was really surprising, like you said, Bori, that Liverpool even made such a 
a bid or even got into the race at all. And now they have 110 million pounds, the British record fee hanging around their neck. It's like an albatross, right? And I think if anything, that weighs more on them as a team and the player to perform um, up to these standards. Because the first thing that, what happens when a player doesn't perform, the first thing that they look at is the price tag. Um, it happened with uh, Lukaku, it happened with uh, Grealish, you know? Um, so again, we'll see, you know, when, as far as like how the team sets up for Liverpool, you know, how they perform. Um, but I'm glad that for once Chelsea's not under the magnifying glass of having overpaid and um, having done uh, panic buys on, uh, you know, close to the transfer deadline. Exactly. Well, good. The imminent arrival of Tyler Adams instead. Hey, man, listen. I'm just glad that we got the real Captain America uh, on Chelsea, not not like the fake one, not the not the self-proclaimed Captain America, but the one that actually captains the U.S. team. I'm really happy for that. So, you know, at that point, like he is, he's a low-risk um, purchase, and that's what I'm looking forward to seeing is um, him actually coming through and performing at the level. Um, that I that that we all know he can do because he carries he's carried the U.S. men's national team before, and he certainly has carried leads in the past as well. He's certainly been like their 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 um, best player um, on the field, and um, I'd rather play I'd rather pay 20 million pounds for uh, a Premier League proven Tyler Adams than 110 million pounds for uh, a Premier League proven yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. they both have, I mean, they actually have the same the same amount of experience in the Premier League. So yes, I mean, Casado. We can't compare make comparisons to Casado. Like obviously, no. it's absurd. Yeah. But like, yes. I agree. But, it's it's a cheap buy. But like Tyler Adams, he he hasn't played since March, and he's been he's been injured for. I think he's still carrying an, an injury. Um, we'll see. I, I mean, I we'll just, see if he uh, shows up on uh, if he lines up on uh, on Sunday. Oh God! Which, by the way. <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe who knows. Listen, I'm just here for uh, just to settle the all-time um, the all-time debate of who the greatest and the best English right back is, whether it's Reese James or Trent Alexander Arnold, by lining both of them up at the DM on. spot on Sunday. What happened? What happened to Kyle Walker? <laughs> yeah, are we? Is is he dead or it never happened? Kyle Walker is uh, waiting for Harry Kane the to best. Uh, say yes to Bayern Munich, no. so that he can he can join him. All right, well, all right, let let let's move on. Thank thanks for for the preview there. Um, uh, Tottenham, we're not going to say much, but um, I I think it's clear that probably Kane is going to leave. Uh, well, maybe I'm not 100 percent sure about this, but I think all signs are pointing towards that. Um. The only worry there reporting, is. Sorry, sorry. there's reporting like just a just a couple hours ago. There's reporting that he agreed. Um, he he agreed to personal terms. So now it's just, you know, I think. I mean, it should just be paperwork, but you know, it, it just like it's such a it's such a big transfer, and he's been Mr. Tottenham for so long that I think it's still like people are like hesitant to say that the deal's done. But. I guess we have um, to talk about this. He did sign. He, he agreed I, to personal terms. Yeah. Okay. So so let let's think about this. 
why would why would he do that? Why would he agree to leave? No, yes. I guess because he feels a sense of, in a strange way, him agreeing to leave is like out of loyalty to Tottenham, if that makes sense, okay. right? Like, because uh, it's either his brother convinces him to sign another stupid deal, like, you know, to like re-sign with Tottenham like he did like a few years ago, which was a big mistake, a big career mistake on his part. Um, so I obviously I don't think he 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 loves Tottenham, but I don't think but I don't think he wants to sign up for like another like whatever two three years, and so like then the other option is he's gonna walk for free in next summer, which I obviously is like great like you know great for him he'll have his pick of you know wherever he wants to go, but if he so if he leaves this summer, it's a deal to go to Bayern Munich one of the biggest teams in the world he can win silverware presumably at least get a Bundesliga, um, so he can actually have something in his trophy cabinet other than you know, his medal from uh, the Dobby Cup. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, right. So I, I think it's like basically like this, in this way, he can go to he can go to a good club, he can be happy, win trophies, and he can leave the club that has been his home for so long with 100 million plus uh, euros that they can spend to find his replacement. Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited about actually seeing Spurs this season. Um, Udoji, um, who who's Nigerian but Italian, I guess he, he decided to choose Italy over Nigeria. Um, he's he's a new left back. Um, and I saw Perisic in the in the preseason. He's banging in those crosses. So, um, I think, I think actually Spurs has the right manager to not have to miss Kane. And uh, we'll see what happens, uh, but um, maybe they should probably buy a good backup to Richarlison because I think that's probably the natural replacement for him. Um, I mean, good luck. Good luck trying it in the last two weeks of the yeah. pressure window finding yeah. anybody. And when everyone knows that you need a striker, it's yeah. not a good position to be in to find yeah. uh, to find a find a striker for cheap. Well, they can buy uh, this guy from Brighton, maybe uh, the Ferguson guy. Um, oh. Kim. Can't remember his first name. Yeah, yeah. But yes, it will. He will yeah. cost like 120 million probably. It's probably the same hurricane money <laughs> just transferred over to Brighton. Because <laughs> let's be let's be honest, Brighton for Caicedo they said they said 100 plus, right? So like they're not gonna back down and sell a striker for less than that. Are you kidding me? Um. All right. Anyways, let's let's uh, just quickly talk about the. I would say the the. You've called it the upstarts, uh, but I want to say the the three dark, the true dark horses of the season, Premier right. League, Newcastle, Brighton, and Aston Villa. For me, for me, Aston Villa is a standout. Like, yes, I'm glad you wrote this here, by the way, because I I had not thought I maybe I thought maybe it was only me that have, like knows this list thing, but one first of all, Diaby, like. Oh my gosh! Like I, I'm scared to add him to my my fancy Premier League because I'm not sure if he's going to be starting in the beginning. But mm-hmm. great player, right? Uh, remember they still have Coutinho on that team. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, and uh, there's a striker I'm forgetting. Oh. Sorry. Oh, the, no, the oh. striker is Watkins. Ollie Watkins. Yeah, Watkins. Yeah, Watkins looks good. Is looking good in preseason. Like this team is is looking all out attack. They're like an attack team. Um, so you know they're going to well, score goals. Not only in attacking, but like last season, like in the last, uh, I think it was, was it the last 10 weeks or something like that? Something, some statistic, I, I don't have the exact numbers, but like Aston Villa were the best defensive side towards the tail yeah. end of last season as well. I don't, 
I think the way they're playing the season, they're not, they're gonna concede a lot of goals. Personally, I don't know, dude. I don't I think, think so. Uh, they have Matty Cash is healthy again. They bought yeah. um, what's his name, the the Spanish center back. Torres. Uh, yeah, Pau Torres. Um, they have Consa, who's like did great yeah, last yeah. season. He's looking good in preseason. Then they have Tyrone Mings still as mm-hmm. like uh now Tyrone Mings is gonna be like backup. It's like he's the first off the bench. That's a pretty yeah. good option to have first off hey, the bench. Either way, either way, I think I think they're fine for the conference league. I think they are in the playoffs for the conference league, I believe. So that's yeah. my only caveat for them. And then uh, Buendia, I just found out actually now he's injured. He looked so good in preseason. He was like running up and down. You could tell that he already did all, he already worked out um, for the whole summer. But my point is, this team looks like a serious team. I, I can see that Una Emery is actually going to be fine for, like, I think if they don't go into the Conference League, they have a chance genuinely at top six uh, next season. Like, I, it's not even, like, I don't want to push it to top four because the competition is now high with all the top clubs. But I think this team, I think this team could genuinely be a top six, top six club uh, next season. And, and I'm very excited to actually watch them. And I, I will be watching them a lot because I think the style of football they played in the preseason is 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 amazing. So, um, and then Newcastle is the other the other team. Uh, obviously, they 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 got Tonali from Milan, which was a shock for me. And I, you know, got over it. Uh, you know, eventually, but um, I'm worried about them for because they are in the Champions League. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Um, Manny, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, so I agree with you guys. Um, Dark Horse, for sure. Aston Villa. Um, they have, I think to me, I know, Bori, you were saying like Chelsea is the winner of the transfer window. I think to to me it's definitely Aston Villa. Um, they've made some very very good, shrewd signings, and um, Unai Emery. I mean the the players that they brought in are uh, quality players. You know they're not just like um, like uh, second tier or second rated like uh, players, right? And the prices that they've they've brought him in. I mean yes, like. You know, Diaby was all like on the fence. I think like at one point, like uh, Saudi Arabia was like in for him or something, and uh, it looked like he wasn't coming. And then um, you know, Unai Emery, people forget he's a uh, he's um he's a top tier coach, right? And I think this season is the season that he's going to answer um, uh, and make it clear that when he was at Arsenal, it wasn't him; it was actually the players at Arsenal that let him down. Uh, so, having said that as well, um, they are, I, I still think that they lack the depth needed um, to to play um, in the European competition. I know Brighton, I, I would say that Brighton is going to be one of those teams that will probably fall and will not replicate the season that they had last year, because especially with the Caicedo loss, um, so close to the, you know, the, I, I don't know if they have a particular target lined up now. Um, I believe the last thing that I read was it was uh, Mohamed uh, Kudus. And there was some arguments or some back and forth about, um, you know, a release clause. We want a release clause. And Brighton wasn't necessarily like uh, up to that. 
I will say that regardless of what happens and who they sign, this Caicedo transfer saga will affect Brighton negatively because more players are going to be aware um, when they sign, not only for Brighton, I'd say more for Brighton because of the way that they do business. Everybody always knows like they have a great scouting team. They, they buy players on the cheap and then they sell them, you know, for these exorbitant prices. But I think the Caicedo saga has, uh, you know, kind of reminded everyone why it's important to have a release clause um, in your contract because you don't want to go through everything that they, you know, that, that uh, Caicedo went through. Um, on the other hand, you know, kudos Caicedo did it to himself, though. Um, Caicedo signed an extension last in the winter. Signed, yeah, he didn't have it, to. Yes, he signed an extension. But if you have um, now, again, we don't know, right? But the the reports are there that there was an agreement that if a if a if a significant bid an acceptable bid came in, um, that he would be sold, right? And you guys were in Arsenal were in for him um, in January. Same thing happened, you know, and then we had this whole Chelsea-Liverpool saga finally come to an end. Um, regardless, I think that this kind of paints Brighton in a bad light, if you will, because <laughs> no player wants to. Yeah, I mean, it's great. If you think about it, it's great for them because, yeah, they get their money's worth. But at the same time, if I'm a, if I'm a player, I'm hesitant to go there knowing that if I have a great season and then um, – another team, a top six team comes calling or whoever, Real Madrid, Barcelona, whatever the case may be, comes calling, that I might not be sold unless I meet, you know, they meet their valuation, right? Um, you know, regardless of all of that, I, I, I don't no, that, there's I don't no, think that they'll replicate Chelsea, the, Sorry? There's no, like, animosity, underlying animosity as a Chelsea fan when you make that statement, right? Uh, and the way the yeah, way Brighton the only, and Chelsea's relationship has been a little let's say I mean, testy. The only animosity I have is that they gave us Grand Potter, right? That's the only animosity. Like I don't, I don't. Dave, yeah, you stole him. I don't. <laughs> you I don't kidnapped him the dead of night. I don't. I don't harbor any ill will towards them except for the Grand Potter uh, <laughs> transfers. Um, you know, honestly, you guys know this. I told you guys, Caicedo. I'm glad we didn't do that, right? Um, I forgive them for Cucurella. I will not forgive them for Grand Potter. All right, and we'll leave it at that. But um, yeah, I forgot about but Cucurella. Also, here's the thing: if they're a selling club, yes. So now there's reports also that Man City might be in for Mitoma. So you put yourself now. Let's say that uh, Mitoma or somebody else leaves. Do they really have? the quality to replicate last season they overachieved right they were by far the biggest overachievers of last season we can all agree on that right i think only second to well, villa next to newcastle which actually i think we were supposed no, to talk newcastle, about newcastle, no but, but here's is different because newcastle had already invested uh, a few hundred million from the season before whereas aston villa was you know unai emery came in and, and changed everything you know, Brighton had these, your McAllisters, your Caicedos, your Matomas that made up, you know, your Ferguson, Evan Ferguson. And by the way, Bori, he will not go for $120 million. If Mbappe is currently, um, you know, rated at $160 million, Ferguson, you know, Brighton will demand about 180 or $200 million for Evan Ferguson because he's only a teenager. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, um, wow. But no, in all honesty, um, 
I think it's still it's great to have these smaller teams, I guess, if you will, smaller and quote unquote, start um, coming into the fold and giving the your traditional like top four, top six teams, uh, you know, a run for the money. Uh, I'd say that Spurs, the Spurs end up losing Kane. You could easily have Aston Villa take over their spot in that top four conversation, top six conversation. Yep. Sounds good. Um, I I think probably also with Newcastle playing in, in, in Champions League this time around, I, I also I think they're a good good side. I just don't know if they can keep it up across two competitions. But maybe they will get out early and, and you'll be fine, but maybe it's be too late at that point and players will be jaded. Who knows? Like they need the psychologist anyway. Um they probably have Corey, can you just give us Tonali. the quick can you give us the quick the yeah yeah, you want to hear about my boy Tonali? Hey, you know what? I'm not mad uh, yeah. about it. An elevator pitch for what we, yeah, what Premier League fans should expect from Tonali, like what type of player he is and what he's going to do for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely a very hardworking player. He's very technical. Uh, I'm sure we have all, all heard about Pirlo and the way he played. Um, he's not Pirlo, but think of him as if Pirlo and Gattuso had a baby the outcome so you have a little bit of both you have that sort of that grit energy and like he would fight the problem is i don't know i don't think truly his heart is in newcastle i think obviously yeah he's there for the money so that's the only question mark i have um but for milan his heart was there so he fought uh every time uh essentially no i don't mean fight like physically but basically he was everywhere on the field he was bullying players essentially i didn't think he had that in him but that was the gatsuso side but also at the same time he's very technical he knows how to pass in between players right like you know and and um yeah just very technical can cross the ball um he won so many last minute goals for us um by either assisting or scoring them um so yeah you have a a, a true solid box box player and my only issue is he's he's isolated there now, right? He's in the he's in the UK now, um, eating whatever they eat there, right? So not eating pasta. So I I think I think his girlfriend is with him, so maybe that would help. But you know it's just hard. It's going to be hard for him, I I think, and I hope that doesn't affect his game. But apart from that, he is a he was a freaking sort like captain material. Like this guy was fighting everybody on the field, so, um, so yeah, that's what to expect—a uh, mix of Pelo and, and Gattuso, but not fully Pelo and fully Gattuso. The people debate who's the best six in the Premier League. You know, obviously like Rodri. Then people talk about Rice. Obviously, that's why he commanded such a fee. Do you think Tanali, after this season, will be in that conversation as like a top, um, that you know, top midfielder in that position? I, I so. I think from a skill point of view, yes, but from a mentality point of view, I think that it's going to weigh him down. Let's say AC okay. Milan were dropped into the Premier League and they were playing the Premier League, then yes, I would say yes. Um, but yeah, Tonali is definitely, I mean, at least one of the top six in Italy uh, in, in the Serie A last season. So um, I think Zamba and Gisa was another one. By the way, I love that. I love Angisa. <laughs> but anyways, all right. Side, side note. That, that was a side note. Um, all right. So I think we're basically out of time right now. But yeah. um, uh, one club that we should probably just quickly just 
say that they're probably going to be a bye-bye for next season. And Manny, I want to get your thoughts here, is Wolves. There's a lot of shenanigans going on there. Um, and Lobotegi apparently just left, like, recently. So it's like, what the hell are these people doing? Um, I don't know how they're going to recover from that. They've lost Raul Jimenez. Um, so I would say maybe this is in there for sure, Relegators. Mm. They, yeah, I, yeah. I, w- I would think yeah. so. I think they, they're, they're going to be gone unless somehow they are able to, um, the new coach um, is able to just pick it up and, and bring them back. So, um, yeah, kudos to you guys, whoever had Lopetegui being the first one sacked of the Premier League season before the Premier League season even <laughs> kickstarted. <laughs> right. Um, actually, I don't know if it's a sacking or more or less just like a left, mutual departure. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, this was something that was like kind of just came out of left field. Um, I feel bad for Wolves in a way because this is like the Jorge Mendez effect. This is like the super agent imposing all of his uh, clients into, you know, like putting all his eggs in one basket. And now all of a sudden you have like all these Portuguese players and you have, um, I think they already have a new coach lined up, but it's starting from zero, right? Like, you know, Premier League starts in less than 24 hours. And how much time does this, has this coach had to actually assess these players, you know, get a feel for the team, get a feel for uh, the the players itself. Um, I can imagine how, how, crappy and how low the morale is around the team as well being as like the coach just suddenly just quit on them you know um so this has like all the makings of a of definitely like a relegation side um and also you you forgot to mention the one player that they also lost to the saudi league um bori you know which was a really big i mean i think that was more of a shock when it happened as well uh Nevis, right? Like that that's a big hey, loss. He he itself. said he that, was I mean he the money was the I, reason, right? Yeah. I agree. You know, you know what? He he kudos to him and respect to him because he didn't say I'm going here for a new challenge. Um I'm going here because I like the weather. Um he said, you know, he said um he said what everybody uh what everybody's thinking, but nobody has a ball today. So kudos to him. Um, him and, you know, the next six generations of his family, which will be set, uh, right? But again, this was a player that could easily start in any of the Premier League sides. Like, he was a player that, I think it was at one point, wasn't he their captain as well? Like, he was either captain or vice captain for that team. Like, that's a big loss in itself. And that is one of the domino effects to why Lopetegui left as well. You know, selling, quote-unquote, one of your um, cornerstones of your team, captain, uh, pivotal player, and then not reinforcing, right? And not bringing in uh, players to back that up. So, um, Wolves, I could see them. I mean, they could be the next yo-yo team, depending on uh, Jorge Mendes and all his Portuguese. How many Portuguese players are left on that team as well? So... Yep. I think Portugal is crumbling. Portugal hub. 
All right. Um, so real quick, uh, I, I think let's just talk about who's going to win the. Well, actually, you know what? Let's talk about the top four. Um, so I, I think we're probably all in agreement. Masters he will be in that top four. Correct? Hold on, don't you want to hold on? Don't you want to do top five based on the new Champions League qualification rules? Oh God, no. Yeah, man. I That's... hope is England for sure going to get it. I mean, not nothing's for sure, but it depends on the results of European competition this season. Yeah. But I think That's in like not... whatever, like something like five of the last seven seasons or something like that. Um, if those rules had been applied. Uh, then England would have gotten a fifth spot, something like that. So they, they're uh, more likely than not they'd get a fifth spot. Yeah. So um, okay, let's talk about second place. Uh, who who do we think it's going to be second this season? Do you want, what do we want to do? Do you want to go first? Okay, we we're just gonna go around the horn Justin, and say so. yeah. Justin, you go ahead. Back second horn. place. Arsenal. And let me guess, Manny Chelsea. <laughs> Um, now, before the Nkunku injury, I would have said yes. Oh. After the Nkunku injury, I'm not going to aim that high. Um, I, I'm actually going to say, yeah, I, I think Arsenal, for the second okay. time, they bottle two, two years <laughs> in a row, serial bottlers, Arsenal. All right. Okay, all right. So my my second place would be Manchester United. I actually think uh, they're going to do something this season. All right, third place. I'm going to start. Um, I I think that Liverpool is going to be third this season because they just had a, a good market, and um, I think Klopp is still at the helm. So, um, Manny, your third place. Uh, I'm going to say United. United. Okay, and then for you, Justin. I'm also going to say United. Okay. I was going to say, we didn't, talk, we didn't get a chance to say this, but I think United should have, I mean, it's because they're trying to sell the club and that's why they didn't do it, but they should have just, if they had broken the bank big time on striker, at, at the striker position, they, if, yeah, they'd gone all out for Hurricane or like whatever, Simeon or something like that, just like yeah. paid whatever it took to get like a top level striker, they think they would be competing for a title this season. Yeah. All right, well, fourth place, I think Arsenal. Um, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Explain yourself. <laughs> I think... I think Arteta is going to overthink things. And Kai Havertz is not going to work out. And then it's going to lean... He's going to have to lean on Saka and Martinelli, Martinelli, which, sure, they're great, but they could have up and, up and downs. So... Um, Gabriel Jesus not being at the helm is a problem for me. So I think, I think, I think Arsenal are going to overthink. And I'm sorry, but I just think, I just feel like it's going to be an overthinking thing. It's not like they're not good. We'll it's see. just going to overthink it. Yeah. That's good. Plus, I mean, Liverpool, Liverpool are going to be good this season. United no. are going to be good. Chelsea has no distraction. I, I think... It's not going to be easy for. I think Arsenal's time to win was last year, and and they bottled it. In my opinion, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah, fourth place for you, Justin. Then. Hey, I still have them at top four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go. Just to throw some 
Oh. I, I want to do a hot take. And I'll be honest, like, I'm a, my hot take has been to cool down a little bit because y'all were actually on the same page as me in large part. Like, this is this is going to be my, my, you know, my hot take special at the end of the episode. But it's been deflated a little bit. I'm going to say fourth place is going to be in a shock. Aston Villa. Aston Villa. <laughs> I think Liverpool, Liverpool are are very very thin both in defense and it, uh, i mean caicedo changes my the calculation a little bit so i actually i could see liverpool caicedo does does change the calculus but like until they did the caicedo deal like their midfield was like like they didn't they, they practically don't have one they have like a, a first team barely for for in the center dude, of the park they have McAllister, um and they bought supposed light like dude that yeah yeah sure you need three people hey. in the midfield and and we still have Klopp in the helm, so it's like I I, I Klopp think... is not Klopp has been tasked with I think he has too much on his plate. Like he he has the he doesn't like doing all this transfer business. And that Liverpool has gutted uh, what our Fenway Sports Group has like like you know they, they don't have uh, a front office doing these deals anymore. So it's like the burdens on Klopp and I, he's not I, you know this guy Sando deal I think exemplified. It's a panic buy. Because yeah, they, they are they are panicking at the end of this the season, be, at the end of the transfer window. Be the first, There's no reason for that. Gonna be the first, we're gonna be the first and last time they spend that much on a player. So for a long yeah. time. And if if Trent, let's say Trent Alexander Arnold gets injured, who what do they do then? Who who plays in his position? Nobody. Salah. They have literally Salah. nobody. Salah. <laughs> they have an excess <laughs> of they have an excess of attackers. They they have they yeah. have plenty. They have they have probably the best attack I think. But like. Anyways, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> Manny, who's your fourth place? Uh, Chelsea. That's where I have. I have us back, back in uh, top four, competing for qualifying for Europe. All right. Well, season early. <laughs> okay. All they need, right. They need another. They need at least one season. Okay. And they need Nkuku, right? Yeah. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye.